I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Donon, and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Double Clutch Podcast. I am your regular host, New York Nick Whitfield. And before I introduce this week's guests, let's dive straight into Around the Association. So first of all, a big thank you to everyone tuning in either live or after the fact tonight. We had an extended festive break, largely due to me being struck down in a nasty way by COVID right before Christmas and uh, into the start of January. And then uh, a personal issue that kept me out last week. But rest assured, we're back bigger and better than ever. I want to take this opportunity to quickly say I hope you all had a wonderful end to 2021 whichever holidays you may or may not celebrate, and whatever time off you were able to enjoy. And on to the show. What a time to be alive. We live in a world in which our Prime Minister is at any time unable to verify his location in space and time. Little did we know that we had essentially elected the posh, white, disgusting version of Kyrie Irving without the basketball ability. I am, of course, referencing Boris Johnson, who until today was unable to confirm whether or not he attended a legal party outside of his own house. To his credit, however, he did ask a senior civil servant, Sue Gray, to write an official report. The problem, however, is that this is essentially like Russell Westbrook commissioning his own agent to write a report on how advisable his shot selection was after a particularly bad game. (sighs) Anyway, something that was impossible not to notice for me personally over the festive period watching games was how it's become pretty much outside of the team I follow, impossible to follow who is and isn't playing for any particular game for a particular team due to COVID protocols. Most games felt has felt like a bit of a lottery when I turn them on as to who will and won't be playing. Uh, but what does this mean? For me, it's just impossible to invest too heavily in the result of any particular regular season game for now, because a lot of them just aren't reflective of what would happen if both teams were at full strength. But one player that assuredly is playing now is Clay Thompson. Yes, the sharp shooting, perfect shooting, form owning, 3 and D prototyping, 37 points in a quarter scoring, I don't even need to bounce the ball joking scoring machine is back. At the time of recording, he's played two games, played 20 minutes in each game and looked a whole lot like the old clay. With the Warriors having been one of the outstanding teams all season, you could say, if I can use a Dr. Dre reference, at least some of the NBA forgot about clay. With James Wiseman also potentially nearing a return, the Warriors look pretty scary. Out in the Eastern Conference, it's impossible not to mention Chicago and the career renaissance being enjoyed by DeMar DeRozan, who's become not only an unstoppable scorer and playmaker, but an absolute clutch monster on top of that. In disappointing news, there are reports that Paul George might be out for the remainder of the season after suffering a torn ulnar collateral ligament, had to get that right, his right elbow. When the Clippers announced it over the festive period, they said he would be re-examined in three to four weeks, but has been since amended to say that he may miss the remainder of the season. Get well, PG and Kawhi. In US high school basketball news, a women's high school basketball coach of Sacred Heart Academy in Connecticut named Jason Kirk was banned by his own school for embarrassing his opponents. The team won 92-4, to an 88-point victory. It's nuts. And from one elite winner to two more, I'd like to welcome back huge Milwaukee Bucks fan, Richard Hunt. Welcome back, Rich. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Nick? Very good, thank you. I'd also like to welcome Rob Rush for his first appearance on the show. What's up, Rob? Well, not much, Nick. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Now, my first question is, have either of you ever been banned from anything for being too good or by winning by too much? Nah. I wouldn't say so, no. Did Kirk not even ban you, Rich, when you beat him decisively at NBA 2K? Um, Ironically enough, Nick, he's not challenged me again, so maybe it is a ban. (laughs) 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 Um. Okay, 
So with it being your first appearance, Rob, I want to get to um, get to know you a little bit. So tell our audience, uh, how, how did you get into basketball in the first place? When did you first see it? How did you kind of adopt it as a sport? Well, everyone sort of even over here in the UK, everyone used to follow Kobe when he was playing uh, Rest in Peace to the Black Mamba. Um, so, you know, you'd see all the videos and watch the highlights of Kobe and be like so uh, new basketball was a thing just didn't follow it a lot and then I was on YouTube one day I stumbled across a highlights reel of a certain college player named Jalen Brown and that's sort of where I really fell in love with the league um obviously got taken by the Boston Celtics third in the 2016 draft to some booze which I hope they are you know uh saying sorry now to Jalen Brown after what he's been doing in the last couple of years we then took Jason Tatum in the 2017 draft for the third overall pick. Something with me and American sports and third picks in the draft. It just it just meshes really well for some reason. Um, and yeah, just followed Celtics really since those two came into the league. Obviously, Tatum's rookie year, him dunking on LeBron in Game 7 was a really nice moment, a cool moment. It's sort of just a wow, welcome to the league. You know, rookie year playoffs, Eastern Conference Finals, dunking on arguably the greatest player of all time. And yeah, just followed the team really there from there on in um, and just grown. This is probably the year I followed the NBA in more detail, sort of keeping up to date with free agency, trade rumours, looking at some other teams. I do like Memphis. I love John Morant, who doesn't right now. And, you know, always interesting to see what teams in the Western Conference are doing, like Portland, especially at the minute. They potentially might do a rebuild with splitting up Damon CJ. So, yeah, I, th- I think if we avoid any more games against Milwaukee where we have to lose by two points after being up by 15 or 16 and I'll be happy and you are up in Sunderland yes I'm at Sunderland Uni doing sports journalism so it's kind of uh, apt to be following as many sports as I do Um, but yeah NBA is probably my favourite one to be quite honest just as soon as I wake up in the morning it's straight on Twitter right what's Woj saying what Sham saying what highlights have been released since last night who you know who had a crazy ankle breaker or a buzzer beater game winner like when DeMar did those two shots in two consecutive days I was there even as a Celtics fan I just had to go fair play (laughs) I I was in awe of him so yeah just I just love the league in general really it's just my favorite sport to watch and have you explored uh, the local hoop scene up there, or is it strictly NBA for you currently? I need to get into the uh, BBL, and especially I need to go over to Newcastle and watch a couple games at the BBL. Um, it helps with them being on Sky as well, trying to catch some games when I can. Um, it's NBA at the minute, but I think you know I'll, I'll get into the BBL sooner rather than later. Awesome. And you're hoping to work in journalism when you're done studying? A hundred percent. Definitely want to be in and around sports journalism. As you mentioned, like gen- journalism in general, if I could just make it in journalism, then that would be great. But ideally, I want to be involved in sports because I played a lot of sports when I was younger, but was never quite good enough to ever make that next step. So next best thing, if you can't get paid to play sports professionally, get paid to watch and write about them professionally. So that's the dream for me. Um, got, a, got a bit of a way to go, but hopefully I can get there with some hard work and some luck going my way. And one thing I have to ask you as a Celtics fan is where do you personally sit in the... Um, I find it a little bit boring, but I have to ask you as a Celtics fan. I see a lot of chat constantly around let's trade Tatum, let's trade Brown, let's trade one or the other. Where where do you sit within that? And if if you don't sit within the trade one of them bandwagon, ha, what do you see as the Celtics' best route into being better as of now? I mean, any... Uh, sorry to probably about 30% of Celtics Twitter here, but you do not trade Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. I, I read a piece about it a couple of weeks ago. Every team wants a wing who can create their own shot, can play make for others and play defence. The Celtics have two of them. So why would you trade one of them away? Um, You've got Marcus Smart, who who plays all NBA level defence at the point guard role and is averaging around five and a half assists a game this year. I think is his highest careers, highest numbers to date. So you don't trade Marcus Smart either because you need that defensive presence 
next to the Jays. And that's what Brad Stevens in his first year has tried mm. to do. He's tried to, you know, take some defensive uh, workload off the Jays so that they can be more dominant at the other end. It's going to, I do love Time Lord, but I think in the end it will come down to a Robert Williams trade. I think he's the only other, he's the only other asset that we've got to move. You know, Josh Richardson, I think, could be thrown in there as well. Um, there's all the talks of Bradley Beal, but unless you're going to do a sign-in trade and trade away all our picks and all of the young guys, that's not going to work. And then you're just guttering the roster around the Jays. I think what Boston want to do is they want to have... It's, it won't be a big three, say, like Milwaukee have of Giannis, Middleton and Holiday, but they want to have a big three of Tatum, Brown and Smart. And they just want to have role players who can hit threes and can play defence. They don't... Boston don't need them to do anything else. Just make your open shots play some defense and the other three will do most of the rest of the work. So yeah, there's definitely still work to be done around the edges, but I thought it was a good off season by Brad to start with always room for improvement though. And you bring up Milwaukee's big three and we have a Milwaukee fan on with us tonight. Rich, how are you feeling about Milwaukee since our last, uh, since the last time you were on? I'd say I'm like relatively positive, apart from the fact that we've won one in five, I think. Um, I think we're really missing Drew Holly quite a lot with his ankle injury, and obviously it was a massive blow to lose Brooke. But I think the fact that, you know, Yanis is playing like Yanis, I think it's just carrying through a lot of the hard times, really. One of the things that has struck me when I've watched the Bucks this season is the, the, the Bucks biggest strength in some ways is also their weakness where their their main strength is Yanis but Yanis's weakness is that he is only one human being unfortunately if you had multiple it would yeah. be even better but with Brooke Lopez having been out for essentially the whole season and he's playing uh minute much more kind of minutes at the five he can't then also be defending the other team's best player so I feel like that's had a cumulative effect over the season um, that had Brook Lopez been there and been guarding the other team's centre and Yanis having been picking up the other team's top scorer or just having that more flexibility to play on help defence. Um, I feel that would have really helped Milwaukee this year so far. Definitely, I agree with you. Cool. And so let's get on to some tasty... Uh, Questions and trade scenarios, being we are in trade season. And we, we can't, in in the year 2022, you are actually, it, I believe it's actually illegal to talk about trades in the NBA without talking about Ben Simmons. So let's start there. The latest rumor to emerge is that the Sixers are trying to now package Tobias Harris with Ben Simmons to make a trade. Uh, given the money and talent involved, which teams do you think might be suitable trade partners? And just before you answer, um, I'd just like to delve a little deeper there in this has been kind of placed in the media quite deliberately, in my opinion. And it may be a quiet acceptance uh, from the Sixers that they're not getting a top talent back for trading Ben Simmons necessarily. So by packaging and getting the Harris contracts out of Philadelphia, they're kind of potentially admitting without actually saying it, that they're more open to like uh, a wider collection of good players rather than just one kind of all-NBA level talent. So which teams do you think might be potential partners? And then I'll tell you who I had in my mind. Um, for me, I think there's maybe two or three, maybe. I would say the Kings are a massive shout. I think I think Atlanta obviously was in the news, but obviously were put off by the Harris um, inclusion. And I thought an outside pick would maybe be the Cavs. Although they're playing well, I think maybe they've got the assets, they might take a risk. And who from those teams do you think Philadelphia would be interested in acquiring? I think from the Kings, honestly, I think De'Aaron Fox is definitely a big one. Uh, maybe um, Buddy Heald as well, um, Marvin Bagleyford, maybe Tyrese Halliburton. I, I'm not sure. There's quite a few on that team that could they, that definitely could lead a trade. 
Um, what about you, Rob? Were you thinking similarly, or did you have other teams in mind? I was. I had two of the same. I was thinking Hawks and Sacramento. Although Cleveland now, just thinking about it, does pose an interesting option if they were. They've been rolling a double big lineup of um, Allen and Mobley. If they were maybe interested in trading uh, Allen on his contract for Ben Simmons and move Mobley to the five. That potentially could still work with Ben Simmons. He's not a point guard. He's a point forward in my eyes. You know, at the four, you know, you keep Garland in the backcourt. They've been open to trading Sexton. Uh, so I think Sacramento, for me, does make the most sense in terms of they can offer you De'Aaron Fox. They've got a backcourt set for the future with Harry Burton and Mitchell. So they don't really need De'Aaron Fox anymore. Um, Buddy Hield as well is potentially an option for them. Harrison Barnes is a decent like it, it gives what he's Philly need that sort of stuff they need outside scoring around Joel Embiid and I think Sacramento has that in a little not in abundance but they've got that that they, they're willing to win and obviously Sacramento can offer picks Sacramento have got picks but Philly would have to give up picks as well in the deal and I think just overall Philly have been asking for way too much for Ben Simmons like you know they, they we all know about the 20 to 30 player list that they've said they've wanted I think I think like you're saying with the Harris contract I think they're now starting to go yeah we're not going to get anyone on this 30 player list so it's time to lower our expectations but my favorite thing about it was Carl Kuzma tweeting how the hell are you going to shift 80 million dollars in contracts because <laughs> it's a very valid point how are you going to shift it you know I, I don't see this being a straight two-team trade I think this will be a three-team trade with Simmons and Harris going to separate teams but you're just gonna have to wait and see when Philly will finally pull the trigger on Ben Simmons All good points. I have to say, in my mind, I had the Hawks. Um, and the interesting way of thinking about it for me is when you think about Philadelphia, um, who've basically just played without Ben Simmons this year, if you kind of refocus how you think about it, I don't know, this is um, kind of picking and choosing a bit, but you can't, because they've been playing without Ben Simmons anyway, you can almost think about the trade as only trading Tobias Harris. Um, at which point, based on the Sixers have been pretty like decent this year, even without Ben Simmons. So if you think about it as you're only trading Tobias Harris almost, you, you kind of refocus what uh, getting back is um, the, the value you're getting back. Um, and if you could get players like uh, Bogdanovich, uh, like um, John Collins and Gallinari, if you can package something around that that would add huge amounts of shooting and depth to that Philadelphia roster, in my mind, that's something worth doing. And Atlanta has been so underwhelming this season compared to their playoff run last year. Uh, they... They, I feel like there's some pressure no one is talking about in Atlanta where Trey Young, if they don't start actually like looking like a serial playoff team, they're going to kind of ruin the start of Trey Young's career, which I think is a real thing where if, if guys play like the first eight years of their career in a city and they're just never, uh, the, the franchise is never able to put a real team around them, it's very rare for those players to like, stay there for the rest of their career so I feel like there is some level of tension in Atlanta to put a like a contending team around him too so for, for my money Atlanta um is the team that works the best there um any more on Ben Simmons before we move on uh Indiana Pacers could be another shout as well soon as they want to trade DeMontis, Miles and Karras the only thing I don't I don't really like acquiring Miles Turner when you've got Embiid MBA You'd be looking to move Drummond uh, in that deal as well because you don't need mm. two. You don't. You don't need two backup centers. Um, yeah. And Miles Turner's too good to be a backup as well. Exactly. Turner would start for most most teams in the league. Um, it's only your real elite. Con- even then, I say elite contenders. He'd still, for me, he'd be if he was going to go to Golden State, for example, he'd probably still start at the five for Golden State. So, I, I think just on Ben Simmons for me, just I'm sick and tired of hearing his name. Can we just? Can we just put it aside until we actually get like Woj and Shams tweeting he's been traded? <laughs> I'm just there like, I don't want to hear any more about these players not pushing the needle or uh, trades getting closer. Just let me know when he's trading and we can all carry on. 
I think my biggest disappointment with Ben Simmons is nothing to do with the NBA. It is he is currently not playing for an NBA team, but is dating a UK celebrity. And so I feel like it's a real wasted opportunity. I want to like turn on the TV and Ben Simmons is on Mock the Week or I don't know. I, I just want like random Ben Simmons like pop culture That'd be good. appearances. That'd be yeah. good. That good morning, Brett. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Get him on. Get him on BBC. Um, okay, LeBron James. In terms of points per position, uh, sorry, points per possession as per Synergy Sports, LeBron James is now leading the NBA in offensive efficiency. The man is 37 years old. Has anything stood out to you about LeBron James and this crazy run he's been on the last few weeks? I think he's proving once again why he is one of the greatest of all time. Like even the, I think he, isn't it? He's had the most timeout <coughs> ever in it. Thing this year or something crazy like that, and he's still like one of the best defensive threats in the league at such an age. I just, <coughs> to me, it's it's just proving how good his conditioning is, how good his. Um, his team is around him and just how much commitment and love he's got for basketball. It's it's really amazing to see, honestly. Probably the thing for me is just the fact he's doing it while playing a small ball five. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Lakers have been underachieving this year and yes, they've had their injury issues. You know, AD's currently out, but he wasn't doing too great this year anyway. <laughs> There's the fact that, you know, Lakers are now, they obviously traded Rajon Rondo, they waived, or they got Denzel Valentine to move to the Knicks. They offered up a roster spot, so it looks like Stanley Johnson's going to get a contract to the end of the year. Um, you know, LeBron's having to play a lot of small ball five minutes and the fact he's still able to do this what more do you want from him? He's played the point guard in his career. He's played small forwards. He's played power forwards. He's now playing centre and he's still one of the best players in basketball. And it's just, it's incredible to see. Like, you know, there's a reason why he's in most people's top three. And this is why, you know, MJ was just, MJ and Kobe, I'd say mentality-wise are on a different level. But the fact that you can plug LeBron in at so many different positions and he'll still be one of the best players in the league is insane to me. Yeah, and um, as uh, younger men than I, uh, the, the age of 37 is, I imagine, po impossible to imagine for you youngsters. But uh, the age thing, being 37 years old myself, is what um, blows my mind when I watch him play. Um, just the fact he's able to physically compete at that level in that across that many games and for that many minutes, uh, like at the absolute... Uh, like pinnacle of the sport is absolutely insane but the whole thing also if I can put a negative spin on it kind of reminds me of how franchises that LeBron has played for uh, and LeBron as the like semi GM on any team he's played for in the, like the second half of his career has really failed to ever build a proper team around him where he doesn't have to do this because at 37 years old, LeBron shouldn't be exerting this level of energy in the regular season just to keep the Lakers kind of in the playoff uh, spots. Um, which it doesn't bode well for me for the playoffs because the best version of LeBron we've seen recently, apart from like this stretch in the regular season, was in the bubble when he actually had time to like rest because of uh, the stoppages during that season. He had a, then like a very contained number of games that he was able to prepare his body for and all the rest of it. Whereas the way things are going now, it, I just don't believe, I, I hope he proves me wrong, but I don't believe LeBron can keep that up until the end of the season, which he might have to do to, if they have like any chance of like home court advantage, say in this round. Um, so yeah, that's just my like mini negative spin on LeBron and his teams failing to actually put teams around him where he doesn't have to do this anymore during the regular season. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm excited about this uh, section of the podcast. Um, I've called this section, Who Is That Guy? And with the crazy number of both G League call-ups that have happened because of uh, COVID absences, 
and the traditionally end of the bench style guys getting way more minutes on account of these COVID absences. Who has caught your eye as to like, I don't know, you've been watching a game and the other team that's playing your team or something like that is just like, I've never seen this guy before and he's actually playing really well. Has anyone caught your eye? I think I think the two that I have have played in the NBA before, but they've just not played good in a long time. I think for me, obviously, Demarcus Cousins is the first name that comes to me. He played amazingly in Milwaukee. Obviously, he had a few issues, and yet they didn't keep him. Times, which is crazy. And I, Milwaukee said, I think the GM, I can't remember, but they, I think I saw a quote saying that they wouldn't mind him coming back eventually but then why would you get rid of him in the first place it was it's really weird to me because he was playing really well and obviously we need a center and if he's doing the job as a five why why aren't we keeping him but another name that really did catch my eye especially um during the pacers nets game was lance stevenson 100 percent has just been absolutely amazing recently um, it, was, it was kind of funny that the game that Kyrie came back, the name that everyone was talking about was Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson yeah. is one of those characters that appears every few years in the NBA. J.R. Smith was another one where they're incredibly talented basketball players that somehow either end up of the league or uh, out of favour, shall we say, um, despite obviously being talented enough to be in the league. Um, so it's difficult seeing how Lance has played in this opportunity with the Pacers, why he wasn't already on a roster. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. It's, I think he got like 14 assists yesterday. It likes forward, which is really weird to say, but, um, I'm just happy. I, I like Lance Stevenson and he's got another 10 day contract in Indiana. So hopefully he can still play at that level. Hopefully he gets signed to a, uh, to an end-of-year contract. My biggest regret about the G League additions and end-of-the-bench guys is because I was uh, really not feeling well over the festive period, I didn't look at my fancy team at all and wish I'd been way more proactive in actually adding some of these guys, um, including Lance. Um, anyone else from your side, Rich? Um... A lot of, to be honest, Nick, I a lot of the people who have been playing well, I don't know their names, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I do lose track. Um, but yeah, those those are probably the two names that kind of came to my mind. How about you, Rob? I mean, I'm, I'm similar to Rich and the fact that guys who have played really well, I just don't know their names, unfortunately. Um, there's one game that will stand out to me: Celtics at Timberwolves. I remember they literally signed Greg Monroe to a 10-day contract in the morning. I think he dropped 21 on us. And that Minnesota team was decimated by COVID. They had, I believe, Malik Beasley, two other starters, and the rest were end-of-bench guys, G-league guys, and guys they picked up off the street, and they beat the Celtics quite handsomely. And I'm just there like, that just sums Celtics up. But I think... Greg Monroe is one for me. Lance Stevenson would be another one. Just, you know, um, I'm, I'm half expecting now a J.R. Smith 10-day contract to be announced somewhere, even though he's, he'll probably be too busy in math classes and trying to work out what the different letters mean. Um, I think Lance probably for me is the main one because I'd agree he's just way too talented to be out of the league. You know, you look at these guys that historic that... You know, you look back a couple of years ago and you go, oh, my God, they were great moments. And you wonder why the hell have they fallen out of the league? And Lance has come back on a 10-day with something to prove. He's proven it. Like, it, it says a lot that in, Ky in where again, where all the talk was going to be about Kyrie Irving, he stole the show. He had like 20 in the first quarter, I think. And it's just... Lance would be the main one for me, and I hope he. I hope Indiana makes make room somehow for him to get on the end of the season, or if or if they don't, someone will definitely take that chance on him, because these guys have proven that they're too talented to be stuck in the G League or stuck in gyms or playing out in China. Like no disrespect to those, like the quality of those leagues, but the NBA is the pinnacle, and those guys have proven over ten day contracts that they're still good enough to play in the league. 
Agree. Um, so a couple of guys who've caught my eye over the past two weeks are one is for the Miami Heat, um, uh, a rookie called Omer Yurtsevan, who in the last two oh, I weeks... Saw, I saw his stats. They're insane. Yeah, the last two yeah. weeks is averaging 11.3 points per game, 15.3 rebounds a game, which is third in the NBA over this period, uh, and 1.7 steals. And it's generally, I, I, I'd never heard his name before even, and I turned on a Miami game, and I was just like, as someone who considers to be like quite knowledgeable about the NBA, I had no concept of how I could be watching this Miami team with this guy who was an absolute monster in the middle who I didn't know who they were. Uh, so I looked him up. He was um, born in Uzbekistan, uh, but claims Turkish nationality. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be following him a lot more closely now that uh, he got this opportunity. Um, and the other guys in Portland, Anthony Simons, who I remember talking That's about him a lot last show. year, who had real flashes, um, particularly against the Knicks, which was painful for me to watch. But he's always looked like someone to me who could do more. And with the absences in Portland, he's had a big opportunity the past few weeks. Uh, and he's delivered. He's averaging 24.3 points per game, three and a half rebounds, and 7.2 assists, which is the most surprising thing. Because normally in that offense, he's just a spot-up shooter. But the fact he can get that number of assists and playmake like that uh, is really impressive. Um, he's averaging, uh, again, over the past two weeks, 60% in adjusted field goal percentage. So obviously threes are worth more. And 95% from the free throw line, just kind of showing what kind of shooter he is. Um, and the other thing I wanted to point out is uh, two guys with uh, British Basketball League experience also entered the NBA over this period. Uh, Jay Sean Page, who played for the Newcastle Eagles, and Trayvon Palmer, who played for the Worcester Wolves, both got NBA uh, opportunities over this period, which was great to see. Um, have either of you guys watched either Yurtsevin or Simons the past few weeks? Um, I've heard the name Yurtsevin a lot. And again, lot, I don't know if I'm pronouncing I... that name correctly. I'm probably <laughs> not. But... Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember, like, I was playing 2K recently, and I saw he had a card on NBA 2K, um, my team. I was like, who the hell is this guy? And, I was just, and he's got his card was okay, but then I did some googling and like saw some highlight. He's 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 re he's amazing, honestly. And it really surprises me that this guy was just not found before. And I'm just I'm really happy that obviously with Bam being out for Miami, they have a good center to play there while he's out. Um, Anthony Simes, I don't really watch much Portland, but I've heard again that he has been playing really well. But yeah, it's um. It's really amazing that these guys are getting opportunities. I was going to say, I was going to say, I think what you're seeing with these guys is the fact they've just been given a chance. Like Nick, you were saying, Simon's in Portland has mainly just been used as an off-ball spot-up shooter because there's never really a time where he's the lead guard. He's always out there with Dame or CJ or both. The fact that those two guys are both out, he's setting up the offense. He's getting, he's been able to create his own shots more, and he's got not full range. He's obviously got Nurkic and Norman Powell out there, but it's effectively. If you get a free shot, you can take it. It's not look for Dame or CJ. And I think if I'm correct in this, he's in a contract year. So Portland now are in a very interesting situation. Um, it's the same for a couple of other guys. Uh, I think Dallas, Jalen Brunson, he's also in a contract year because he's a second round pick. I think if, if my memory serves me correctly. So these guys who are now getting opportunities and are making the most of them, I think Simons for the last week, I saw a stat maybe averages around 28 points per game or over the last X amount of games, Simons is averaging nearly 30 a game. It's insane. And I think he might be able, he might be forcing Portland into a decision that they didn't think they were going to have to make. I'm not saying Simons is going to be next Damian Lillard, but it shows, look, you've got a bunch of guys out of contract and Damon CJ are not going to take you anywhere if you generally want to blow it up you could have you could still keep simons as a point guard you're still going to you know run the offense a little bit so just the main thing is i'm glad these guys are great opportunity to show their worth and it's a you know there's only like 430 odd places in the nba 
So, you know, you've got to take opportunities when you get them. And how many times have players not taken opportunities when we got them? It's just nice to see these players taking their opportunities and securing themselves and their families financially moving forward, which is something not talked about enough, in my opinion, if people fall out of the league or just in any sport, how they can fall by the wayside. So it's just really nice to see. And that brings us neatly to our next section, actually, which is... um... With the trade deadline approaching rapidly, uh, it's less than one month to the deadline. Uh, the broader question is which teams do you think need to think about making a move? But let's start with Portland because we've just talked about them a little bit. And I think they're an interesting one because for a number of years now, they've kind of gone back and forth between people thinking they should uh, kind of... Uh, kind of gut the roster and start again and then the following season they'll be way better than people think and they're like having a good playoff run so where do you guys stand currently with the trailblazers and what they should be thinking about doing um i like chaos honestly a lot and um i just want to see them blow it up because I just I think it'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see what teams offer for CJ and Damien. And um, I think I don't know. It, it, it's it's an interesting prospect, as you say, obviously because Portland one year underachieve and then they overachieve. Um, I think I, I don't I don't know. It's it's a weird one. I would blow it up, but that's just me because I'm. I like Kels, so. For me, I'd be looking at what you'd have to give up to get Ben Simmons alongside Dame, first and foremost. <clears throat> There's an obvious trade partner there, in both in terms of contract-wise and fit-wise. Philly need shooting, Portland need defence, and a little bit more playmaking outside of Dame. Those two seem like a perfect match. If Philly are not willing to accept any trade offer, including CJ and maybe a couple of expirings and some picks. Then for me, I would agree with Rich. I think you blow it up. I think you say, maybe not, but maybe blown up is not the right term. You go and see what else is out there. But if there's nothing really Ben Simmons like in terms of nothing that's going to make you immediately better on the defensive side of the floor, I think you just have to say, look, We've got guys on expiring contracts who contenders will give picks for. We've got Dame and CJ who are will fetch picks in themselves and give us young or younger players in return. I think you do just blow up because they're not gonna they're not gonna go anywhere in the next couple of years, especially now with Dame and CJ picking up injuries during this stretch. I think you're you're moving towards blow up stage for Portland. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every team at some point, unless you do really good forward planning, has to go all right, screw this, we're going to tank and do a rebuild. You saw it with Houston last year, you saw it with Orlando. I think Portland are reaching that same stage. The major difficulty I see for the Trailblazers is, as with any industry where you're kind of um, trading assets, um, if it's not too dehumanising to refer to human beings as that term, um, what the worst thing to do is to trade assets at their lowest value, which I think is definitely the case currently for both CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Had they traded either of them or both of them almost at any other season in the past four years, say, they would have got way, way more than doing it now because Lillard's coming off a poor Olympic showing a really bad start to the season by his own standards. And then like, what was it? A two week stretch where he looked good again. And then he got injured again. Um, And McCollum, who's just been on and off for quite a while now. So on the surface, I agree with you guys in that. I just think what you see in that trailblazers roster is never going to be more than like two exciting rounds in the playoff as they're like absolute ceiling. Um, and it's interesting Simmons is um, brought up both for the Trailblazers and Atlanta and I think the common theme there is that Simmons' strengths and weaknesses are very balanced with both Trey Young and Damian Lillard so 
I think there's good reason he's kind of linked with both of those teams. Um, but yeah, I think I'm very undecided on this one, which is why I brought it up. And I was curious what you guys thought. So yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, I agree. They they need to look at what other teams are going to offer for those guys. And I don't think they should be above trading Damian Lillard, especially like he's going into, he's 31 now on a huge contract where they could... The, the history of uh, guards of that size who start to show a decline outside of Chris Paul is generally not very forgiving. So uh, it's what yeah, I think with Lillard in particular, it's how they project him going forward and also his mindset, because there's been a few things the last couple of off seasons where there's speculation over whether he wants out of Portland or not. So, yeah, I don't think there's any easy answer in in Portland, but let's move on. Um any other teams uh, that you think definitely should be thinking about making a move? Interesting. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. A championship favourite. I think, personally, we need a five and we need a one. We need a backup point guard and we need a star centre. If that means that we have to trade away Dante DiVincenzo, Jordan Anwara and Brook Lopez, I am open to it. Um, I just don't think we go far in the playoffs without Brook Lopez, personally. I think for me, the only other team would be, or the only other team that immediately comes to mind would be Indiana really becoming sellers at the deadline. You know, there was the report a month ago or a month or so ago saying... Um, hey, look, we're open to trading our guys. They're 15 and 26. They're not in a they're not in the play-in race at the minute. They're quite a bit below. I think if you're serious about that, you just got to go. You got to be calling up every single contending GM and going, look, we've got Demontis Sabonis here, who's doing this, 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 and this. If you give us two or three players and a couple of picks we could work something out here in terms of a trade. Uh, you know, Miles Turner would be a solid addition to any contending team in terms of he's a floor spacing five, he can play good defence. You know, I think if that's, that would be the major team for me, would be Indiana really blowing up. I think one potentially to also look at would be teams who are on the who are about 500, around 500 and want to decide. It, I think it's just the same as every season. Teams need to decide what they're going to go with. Are you going to see the season out as it is, or are you going to take a step back like Orlando did last year? Are you going to fully blow it up and rebuild, or are you going to push all your chips to the centre and go, we're going all in on this year? I think that probably won't be seen until another couple of weeks, but the main one for me would be Indiana. Then they need to really become sellers at this point. And you mentioned teams around 500 what about your Celtics? Would you like to see them make a move? Uh, Dennis Schroeder can go. <laughs> De- Dennis Schroeder for me. <laughs> you are trying to tr- trade him as aggressively as Rich has been in the Fantasy League. <laughs> if you want to trade Steven <laughs> Chenzo and Nawara to the Celtics for Schroeder, I will happily take that, my friend. Um, he's a solid addition to a contender, but he's just not what we need in Boston. I thought he was what we are going to be needing in terms of a sixth man, but it's just not worked out as well as I think anyone was hoping for. So I say that he's starting tonight. He'll probably go and get 35, 8 and 5 and prove all of us wrong again. But in terms of we're not contending this year, so we need to try and, you know, he's not going to re-sign with us because we can only offer him seven odd mil. Look in the trade market, see what you can get for him. Uh, Ennis Freedom, I don't care if you trade him, release him, waive him. He can go from the roster as well. Um, and maybe Al Horford, depending if you want to, because his next, next year's contract is only partially guaranteed and it's a hefty contract, which he's not worth. So unless you're looking to decline it, and try and get him back a cheaper deal or you're not looking to bring him back at all you've got to look at potentially what you could get for him but definitely for me freedom and Truder need to be off this Celtics roster by the trade deadline okay tell us what you really think <laughs> um 
<laughs> and the NBA All-Star Game is also coming up in uh, just over a month. And the NBA announced the first results of the fan voting, which I put into our show notes if you want to take a look. And all I wanted to ask you is what have the fans got right and what have they got wrong? Are there any obvious things to you that stand out that fans have got right or wrong so far? Uh, I would say that DeMar DeRozan being top guard in the East is most definitely uh, sounds right to me. Um, I do question why Clay, Carmelo, Bam, Aldridge, Kyrie, and Derek Rose are all in there. Derek Rose um, is incredibly popular in China, which I think explains that okay. one. Okay. Ah, fair. He also get, he still, I he have still a also list gets of the Chicago plates. love as well. He still gets the love from the Chicago fans. Yeah, true. Um, I have a list here of players that I think should maybe potentially crack into the top ten. So, me biased, I've said Drew Holiday, Desmond Bain, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Pazingas, Kuzma, Evan Mobley, DeMontis Sabonis, Valanciunas, Ingram, and the two that I am really shocked are not in here are DeJounte Murray and Jalen Brown. Thank you for JB at the end. (laughs) And with... Naming lots of players you think should be in there, you're going to have to name some players you think shouldn't be in there. I, I mean, you mentioned Derek Rose already. Anyone else? Um, I don't think Kyrie should be Fair. in there. I don't think Clay should be Fair. in there. I don't think Carmelo Anthony should be in He's there. He's got the like legacy, uh, legacy Dirk vote. Nowitzki space, Le- yeah. as it's known now. It'll just get voted every year. Um, Bam Adebayo, I don't think, should be in there because he's been injured. Um, Aldridge should not be in there either. And I guess D Rose, as mentioned before, shouldn't be in there either. So Aldridge is a weird one. He's been good, but it, it surprises me that he's got that many votes. Yeah. I think it's Brooklyn fans. <laughs> I think for me, it's the whole debate of what you do you define an all-star to be. Are you looking at team success? Are you looking at player success in terms of stats you're looking at if they're a fun player to watch you're looking at you want to see these guys team up on a team together there's so many different ways you can define an all-star and because there's not because there's not one definitive way to define one you're going to get these like clay thompson Kyrie irving votes where it's obviously just the fans and themselves voting for the player rather than then they actually deserve it um I would, I would set, I would double down on the Dejounte Murray shout for all start. He's been absolutely brilliant for San Antonio, and I think if you're going to go player success, he's been outstanding and deserves to be there. Um, I would. I'm just looking at the list now. Westbrook, really? Westbrook is an all star. Nice. Anthony Davis. The guys haven't been playing well enough for me to be all stars. Like. You could talk all about the Lakers as you want with the poor roster construction and everything like that, but at the end of the day, these are still supposedly top 20 players who got to perform. Um, I'm a big fan of DeMar DeRozan being leading guard in the East. Should be MVP candidate for me. Um, he's absolutely astounding. Vucevic, I can see it, but I don't agree. I don't think he should have that many votes, but it's always the thing I always ask people when they're trying to question people. If you're not going to pick this guy, who are you going to pick? Um, I would go Evan Mobley over Vucevic personally. Uh, Mobley's been outstanding in his rookie year, probably front row for rookie of the year. Bam, I don't think should be there because he's just been injured. Miles Bridges, it's an interesting one. He's <laughs> a highlight machine. I th- he is I, a highlight machine. I think, I think. So for me, I don't. For me, I wouldn't have him. I would have Jalen Brown ahead of him. But I think overall, it's an okay first ballot. I think we get a second ballot, do we not, before fan voting closes, um, and then obviously it then goes over to the media and the players themselves. So I don't think there's much wrong with it. I'd agree with most of the fan votes. It's just a little like you know, Carmelo, Ad, Russ. Kyrie, Clay, it's just those ones that I wouldn't agree, which I think everyone sort of does. I think my um, overwhelming opinion when I first looked at it was 
compared to a lot of previous years, this is actually incredibly good. I normally look at the fan yeah. vote and just immediately throw up and want to never see it ever again. Um, so by fan vote standards, this was a pretty good one. Um, I agree with uh, Kirk in the Twitch. Uh, Van Vliet probably should have been higher as well for what he's done for the Raptors so far this year. Uh, but yeah, agreed with everything you guys were saying too. Um, Samaj1990 in the Twitch chat too likes uh, Bridges and Garland. No one mentioned Garland, but he's also been... Uh... Does he mean Mikhail Bridges, Mikhail Bridges for the Suns? Or... I think Charlotte... I'm assuming Charlotte, because we were talking about him. Charlotte, um, uh, he's in, I think he's sixth in front court votes. So, I don't think McCall made top ten, unfortunately. It's good. Um, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to move us on from uh, all-star voting. Uh, on to the best part of Nothing the show. Uh, hit the music, Kurt, please. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> One of philosophy's biggest questions is, if you haven't been watching Cobra Kai, are you really alive? For anyone unaware, Cobra Kai is a spin-off of the critically, and more importantly, Nick Whitfield acclaimed Karate Kid movies. The show revisits the protagonists of the movies in the current day, and we've seen three separate dojos emerge. Um, the first one is Miyagi-Do, uh, Daniel LaRusso, who's the main character in the movies, uh, follows the teachings of the legendary Mr. Miyagi. The focus is on balance in all things in life, uh, in defending yourself and only fighting when absolutely necessary. Then there is Cobra Kai, the bad guys, led by uh, John Kreese, who is the bad sensei from the original movie. Uh, I'm generalizing, but these guys are about winning at any cost. They're not above cheating. Uh, they'll just do anything to win, basically. And the last one is Eagle Fang, which is a new one. Uh, Johnny Lawrence, who was the guy, uh, the blonde kid Daniel LaRusso fought in the first movie, uh, it's his dojo. So he, he has his roots in Cobra Kai Karate, but the main focus is just on being a badass and looking good while doing it. So my question to you is, if you had to pick someone from the world of basketball to join each one of these dojos, who are you choosing and why? Did you guys have any answers for these? I've yes, got I've got answers. I've never watched them. Excellent. Let's hear them. <laughs> you can go <laughs> I've never watched it as well, so this is fun. This is literally just in the last 30 seconds thinking of it. Um, for Miyagi, though, I would go Jason Tatum, shock horror Celtics fan, picking a Celtics player. He doesn't say a lot. He just says what needs to be said in the media, except when he needs to clap back at Kendrick Perkins saying stupid things on Twitter. Um, that was one of my favourite tweets to ever read, to ever grace the internet, is that when he claps back at Perk. Um, you know, he's just he's just balanced. You know, he saves all his NBA money. He lives off endorsement money. Um, he's got, you know, he just, he just does everything sort of the right way. He doesn't call out teammates. He doesn't cause upsets in the locker room. He doesn't, you know, he's not too emotional on the court unless something's really bad. I think he's just balanced all around. Cobra Kai, I would go for Jimmy Butler. Nice. Just, just wants to win. You know, that's, you read every interview about Jimmy Butler, all he wants to do is win. Um, you know, he still holds a grudge from when Philly chose to buy a Saris over him, and I would as well, looking back on it now. <laughs> I, I questioned it at the time, and even more so now. I think for Eagle Fang, in terms of, you know, just being a badass and looking good doing it, I would go with either Kevin Durant or James Harden, just for the fact they can make you look silly in so many different ways. You could play 20 seconds of the best defense ever in the NBA, and they will hit you with a move in those last four seconds and hit a shot over you, and you're just there like, what am I meant to do? So, yeah, those would be my picks. Nice. How about you, Rich? Okay, so for Eagle Fang, I chose two. I went for Jar Morant, as he's very flashy, and I feel like he would get the, yeah, you know, he dunks it. You know, I could see him maybe doing a few karate kicks. And stuff. Jar Morant executing a flying kick is something I definitely want to see. Most <laughs> definitely. My second one was Kelly Oubre Jr. Good-looking lad. <laughs> you know, I could feel like he could. He'd, 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 he'd be okay in the dojo. 
Um, Cobra Kai, I chose two as well. Uh, one's a bit out there, but first one is Draymond Green. I don't think mm. I have to explain, <laughs> to be honest. He will uh, kick you in the nuts. Second, most definitely. <laughs> um, the second one uh, for Cobra Kai is the guy who does the TV edits for uh, Boston Celtic <laughs> games. <laughs> I think he's an absolute savage. Yeah, so the Dennis Schroeder one. The Dennis Schroeder one. You'll pay Russ forty-four mil. Uh, That's a great show. I think he'd fit. That was very good. Um, for Miyagi though, I I think it was very easy. Um, he's the kindest person in the NBA. He just and he he fucked up John Wick as well in John Wick Three. I'm gonna say Boban Marjanovic. Wow. Absolutely. Legend. I think Mayagi Do, I think he suits that. Okay, I've got some answers too. For Miyagi Do, I think I'm looking for nice guys, uh, not real fighters, but like incredible at what they do. I'm throwing in Steph Curry. Um, he seems like a good pick there. And also a guy, uh, I'm going back a bit here, but I'm also going to say Tim Duncan, who was an absolute oh, disciple yeah. of the Spurs system. And I feel like that kind of fits quite well there. He, uh, Garnett also said he was the most savage person in the NBA history. Yeah. Um, by standing nice. <laughs> Maybe Cobra Kai, um, my current answer, I think, is Chris Paul. Because he... What I like about him, because uh, I always like bad guys in movies, is uh, I, Chris Paul, I like it when he faces up to another elite guard and essentially just fouls them on every single possession until the referee calls one of them. Um, I like how he sets the tone like that. Um, and going back in time, I'm picking John Stockton, who actually looks like he would have fit in in the original movie in Cobra Kai. Um, but also there's legendary stories about how dirty of a player he was in terms of just like elbowing and kneeing people when the refs couldn't see and stuff like that, how sneaky he was. So Stockton's in there. And then Eagle Fang in terms of uh, looking good. The Birdman uh, has to be in there. Oh, yeah. He's got to be in there. I think Joel Embiid <laughs> is also a good shout for there because he, he likes as he's a great player, obviously. He's absolutely elite. He's a monster. But he also wants to look good doing it. And then he wants to tweet about it afterwards. So I feel like he's got the right attitude uh, to be there. So th those are my picks. Oh, this is one of my favorite conversations I've ever had on this pod. So um, and you two and anyone listening or watching, watch Cobra Kai because it's insane. Um, it's next to my list. Okay, so... Uh, if you are not already a member of our Discord, do join it. We chat about hoops and other stuff um, a lot. Some recent topics uh, has been our fancy league. Let's take a look at the standings. Uh, a bit boring now at this point in the season. Team Bean, uh, Ben Bean, former guest on the show, 12 and 0. Uh, yeah, boring. Uh, who wants to win? KD's Burner team, 11 and 1. Southampton Top Shot, 10 and 2. Looney Tunes eight and four. Some team called Nottingham Gam seven and five. Go Bear or Go Home seven and five. And then we get to the teams that are five hundred or lower, who we won't uh, shout out specifically. Um, <laughs> other stuff that's been talked about in Discord: uh, upcoming Adidas release of uh, the crazy '97 Kobe shoes that he won his dunk contest in. Uh, that's going to be fun. Um, and also, would a BBL versus uh, Team GB annual game be possible was a conversation that was had. Um, on to Discord listener questions. Uh, Matt, a.k.a. Suns Fans UK, uh, he actually asked several questions, some of which we've already covered. But uh, one thing I will cover, which is a slightly different nuance on the same topic, uh, apart from Ben Simmons... Which players do you see being likely to be traded before the deadline? Uh, I had a couple I'm going to bring up straight away, which is um, here. These guys I grouped um, because it either just hasn't worked for them and they're veterans and there's no point them really being on the team they're on. And the first is Dragic in Toronto. 
who is a good player who yeah. for whatever reason just isn't getting much of a shot there and is still good so uh, he may as well get moved um, similarly for Thaddeus Young in San Antonio they're going through a rebuild he's a veteran player who could really help another team who's actually kind of really trying to win so uh, it would make sense to move him to me um, and then this one is purely financial. Um, I couldn't believe uh, the difference this made when I read about it. Serge Ibaka at the Clippers, who are now without both Kawhi and Paul George, who kind of have to write off this season. Um, his salary this year is $9.3 million. But because they're so far over the, lux the luxury tax, if they are able to get rid of him they actually save $41 million overall uh, because of how much further wow. they come in the luxury tax. So again, that and he's out of contract in the summer. So it, it just seems like it would be stupid not to do that. Um, uh, yeah, any of you guys have... Uh, oh, and the, the other one, actually, this was kind of me willing it into existence more than anything, is I'm a big fan of Christian Wood. Uh, for the Rockets, oh, so yeah. something with the Knicks around because uh, the Rockets aren't trying to win, which is the key point here. But something around Mitchell Robinson and Kemba for Christian Wood is very optimistic thinking on my part, but works for me. So um, any <laughs> particular players, <laughs> yeah. any particular players uh, you think either definitely will be moved or you'd like to move that we haven't talked about um, I think we spoke about him before Dia Fox um, trying to think um, it's really you can say no I might say no okay how about you Rob? <laughs> Uh, I think, again, we briefly mentioned earlier, Buddy Hield, I think this is finally the year where a contender does just bite the bullet on him and go, look, we need shooting on our team. It should have been the Lakers last offseason, but they decided to build the oldest NBA team known to man. So, you know, maybe, obviously I don't think money would work with that, but maybe a different contender decides we need some more shooting and goes for Buddy Hield. Uh, Joe Ingles in Utah, um, I believe that I just he's just not really he's not been good this year for them. They're already paying well into luxury tax. I'm not sure on the specific finances, but it might be something similar to Serge Ibaka with the with Clippers. If they can shift his contract and only take on a couple of like a very small salary, small salaries in return, and just waive them, then they'll end up saving themselves so much more money. Um, again, briefly mentioned earlier, Gallinari at the Hawks is just odd man out. It's just a veteran, not not non-guaranteed deal for next year. If you aren't looking to bring him back, it makes no sense to keep him on the team. You might as well try and recoup some assets. And another guy from the Hawks, uh, well, one of these two, Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter. Again, I think it's just a case of Atlanta need to choose which one they're going to go with. Both have had their injury struggles to start their careers. I think both of them, one of the Hawks just need to go which one do we think can stay on the floor more? Because that's the guy you should be building around, the guy who can stay on the floor. Um, so I think they just have to make a choice. Maybe they package maybe they package Gallo and one of the young guys. I don't know, maybe they're separate trades. But the Hawks, like we said earlier, the Hawks need to do something. And you're only going to be able to do something by making a trade. And it might hurt the fan. It might upset the fans a little bit. But you're a business. You've got to do what you've got to do. And on to our games of the week. Um, this week, I have picked uh, Mavs. At, well, I was going to pick one game and thought Rich may actually pick the game, so I didn't pick it. Uh, but the game I've picked instead is Mavs at the Grizzlies on Friday night slash Saturday morning at 3 a.m. And the reason I picked that game is because there are two of who I believe to be of the most underrated players in the NBA that don't really get talked about in the way they should be. Uh, one we talked or got mentioned earlier, Jalen Bronson, and the other is Desmond Bain, um, who's been incredible this season. Um, so yeah, those two guys, two of the most underrated players uh, going at it in that game. Um, which games did you guys pick? 
Um, I'm assuming this is the one you were going for. Uh, I'm going to go Warriors at the box, uh, which is uh, tomorrow at 12.30am. And it is on Sky Sports. Yeah, potential finals preview, no-brainer. I went for another game involving the Warriors. I went Warriors at Bulls, I think. I went potential, another another potential finals um, preview. Both of these sides are at relatively full strength right now. So it'd be interesting to see going pound for pound, you know, almost a bit like a boxing match, who's going to have the last blow. And if DeMar DeRozan's got anything to say about it, it'll be him. And then the early tip-off on Sunday is the Phoenix Suns at the Detroit Pistons, 6pm, nice uh, UK time. And we just like to give a couple of things you'll be watching for that game. Personally, I'll be looking to see um, how does a young guy like Cade Cunningham look against such a coherent um, and strong team like Phoenix? Um, I'm going to say Hamadou Diallo because he's been playing very well recently. I should have mentioned this player earlier in our trade talk to the guys that will get moved. Jeremy Grant um, Definitely. for Detroit. I'm just If he can put on a very good showing against the title contender, it can only help Detroit with his trade value. So, yeah, I'm looking to see what Jeremy Grant is able to do against Mikael Bridges. Cool. And uh, thank you to uh, Jomas24 joining our Discord this week. Um, thank you for everyone for tuning in live or listening to this after the fact. Um, thank you to both Rob and Rich for joining us tonight. At short notice, it has to be said, so huge thanks to you guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to Kirk, uh, who does all the work behind the scenes. Um, and Thank you very much. Uh, We'll see you next week. Free trade can be wonderful if you have smart people.